guy who brought literally my sister brought him home, I'd be terrified. Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. It is great to be back. It feels like this has been like the fifth or sixth show this week because of so much going on. Um, we are delighted to be joined by Clay Harbour. Clay, it's been a while since we've spoken. It was probably before the draft that we were we were talking about kind of what the Bears will do. They bring in Kyler Gordon. They bring in Jaquan Brisker. When I think that show we probably spent like thirty minutes talking about the wide receivers that they might be they might bring in. <laughs> You're you're at training camp the last two days. First of all, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me back on here. And you know, I love talking bears and being at training camp the last couple of days. I feel like we got a lot to uh, catch up on. Yeah, absolutely. I I see that you are going to be busy. You went to Bears camp. Now you're going to be going to Philadelphia Eagles camp. So it's a it's a busy time for you. So look. We really wanted to get you on, get your opinion, because again, when you don't get to see it every day, you get to look at this team very closely. But then when you actually get to see it up front, it's you get to focus on certain positions that we don't really see as much. And look, for your for yourself, we were gonna be talking about wide receivers, tight ends. Before we talk about kind of individuals, what was your kind of takeaway from the two days of practice? So the overall takeaway from the team is I you know I like what Eberflus is doing. I think he's got a really fast tempo practice. The guys are all bought in, they're competing, they're playing hard, the overall feel. He's got the music going. He's practicing early so it's not in the heat, but I think the the tempo's great. I think maybe you know some teams I've been on, a lot of teams I've been on is you have conditioning mixed in maybe halfway through and at the end of practice. He's not doing any of that and I think that's why he's moving so fast paced is to is to get these guys conditioned so i love that and i love the energy that they're that they're using here so overall as a whole as a group i think that's going to benefit them in the long run yeah absolutely and it's it's interesting obviously we we've heard the tuesday practice was not very uh let's say nice to see some of the things on the offense but we saw some improvements yesterday look let's start off with the the wide receivers because you said you were kind of paying close attention to that before we go to into kind of some of the the deeper name players I want to start off with kind of the main guy we actually haven't spoken about him as much because we've been focusing in on who are the guys we're not sure of that are going to make the roster so I want to start off with Darnell Mooney because everybody's hoping that we see kind of a continue in his development going forward what did you see from Darnell Mooney in the two days that you were at training camp you know, I'm just going to be 100% honest and candid about everything I see here. So I love Mooney. I think, you know, he's a great player, and I've defended him in the national media and stuff. When you got Dan Orlowski talking about the Bears don't have even a three-wide receiver, stuff like that. And I even said I thought Mooney was a top 15 wide receiver. I thought Mooney didn't show up much during – at Tuesday, he barely showed up at all. Wednesday, he showed up more. He caught a touchdown. He caught another couple a uh, couple nice plays, but I didn't really sense, didn't really get the feel of a superstar wide receiver out there, a guy that was just taking control. Okay, we need a first down, and obviously the quarterback throwing the ball isn't having a good day. So, I mean, you got to realize that that's happening as well, and you're not game planning. But from what I saw from Mooney, obviously I'm not as worried – when I see that Mooney's not doing something because he's proven himself. The guy's had a thousand yards last year, you know, 70 plus catches. I mean, this guy's proven himself on Sundays, but I didn't get that feel of a 
big time Michael Thomas when I was in training camp with Michael Thomas, you know, when I'm in, I'm in training camp with some of these big name guys, even, you know, go back to my Eagles days with Deshaun Jackson, Macklin, some of those guys, like I just didn't get the feel that this is a guy that's just, okay, Hey, the chips are down. We are going to Mooney right here. Somebody stop him. I think he, he played pretty well on Wednesday. He made some plays, but I'm holding him to a higher standard. You know, to me, it's like this guy's in the cusp of being a superstar wide receiver. And to me, I didn't quite see that level of of playmaking and routes and everything he's done. And he's a hard worker. He's getting his stuff done. And I think he's a good receiver. But that's what I saw from him is a good receiver. Nothing more. And Clay, when, when you talk about not seeing, you know, that kind of elite caliber receiver, uh, at camp in the last few days, do you think that's because it's the first the first week of pads? You know, the first week of camp. You know, is that a huge contributing factor? Obviously, you know yourself. You know, going, going to training camps, how long it takes to get into that groove. Um, you know, you, you're saying the hard work's there. You know, and and if the hard work's there, then hopefully everything else comes with it. Do you think it is just the sort of you know get getting going again after after being off for so long? Well, that's definitely a piece of it. And I see these media guys, people saying, you know, the worst practice they've ever seen. All right, guys, it's the first day of pads. The defense is always, every team I've been a part of, nine training camps, the defense always starts quicker than the offense. You got more moving parts, especially you got a new offensive line in there. The defense is going to start quicker than the offense on the first day of pads. Obviously, you don't want to see the missed throws. You don't want to see the late throws and things like that from fields couple drops, couple bobbles. There was some ugly stuff going on. I'm not trying to, you know, say that that's not there and that's not an issue, but it's always going to happen. The offense picks it up as you move along and you start getting everybody on the same page. And to to talk about your point is I think that is is something there. Mooney and Fields do have to take time to get back on the same page. And one thing I did notice at practice and <clears> – <throat> sitting there talking to guys. I'm like, these, these defensive backs, do they not know that in, on Sundays there's going to be uh, refs there? Uh, like These guys are holding all the, like crazy. I, like, what is going on here? I'll put some glove, boxing gloves on these guys. You can't do that. You can't hold a guy that bad. So, obviously, as a tight end, I would be fe- I was always furious. These linebackers, safeties. It's like, you're not going to be, be able to do that on Sunday. Why are you doing it here? But there was a lot of holding going on, and that'll throw guys off their, um, you know, their timing and their routes. Yeah, that's interesting because then when you do flip that to Sundays, it's usually the complete opposite where there's things that don't look like a hold and they get called. So it's a, it would be a little bit worrying for kind of the DBs that if you're getting so used to that in camp, and then suddenly when it comes to Sundays, you're going to be giving away a lot of penalties if you don't clean that up a little bit, but. Maybe it might help the receivers on the same end if when they don't have to be held on every single play. But look, I want to go into kind of the receiving group as a whole on kind of both days. We know kind of what to expect when it comes to Sundays for Darnell Mooney, but really after him, there's not that much. Obviously, we've seen Byron Pringle in Kansas City. But other than that, you've Equinemia St. Brown wasn't really playing as much for Green Bay. A couple of other guys that have been kind of just, I guess, small contributors in other teams, a bunch of young and upcoming players as well. Is there anybody that stood out to you that maybe you were going into camp not really expecting loads from and they kind of showed up or one that you would like to kind of keep an eye on as we get closer to the preseason games? You know what really surprised me was was the depth of these guys. I I think there was just... There was literally like two or three guys that I'm like, okay, these guys probably aren't going to make the roster. Everybody else, I'm like, hell, I didn't know. I didn't even know this guy was on the team. Like, who is this guy? And you look him up and you realize that he has some, he has some skins. He has some scalps, you know, in his closet over there. I mean, he's he's done it in the league. And you got guys like a guy that that impressed me with with some of his his routes and, and things that he was able to do was a guy like Dante Pettis and David Moore. Pettis impressed me on Tuesday and just seeing his routes and his quickness. I go, wow, this guy could play. You know, this guy's quick. He's got hands. He's he's running the, running well. David Moore on Wednesday probably scored three touchdowns. Like, who, where'd this guy come from? And you start looking into him and you realize that these guys do have some, you know, Isaiah Coulter was a guy that had a couple, made a couple plays. Some guys buried in the depth chart. But I think that Fields really likes, you know, Equinemia St. Brown. I think he, he had a fumble yesterday, but – 
he's interesting to me because he's tall, he's lanky, but I think he can he can be a guy that steps in. He's not going to be a game breaker, but he was one of the first guys on the field. He's catching the jugs machine. He's a solid receiver. I do like Pringle. Byron Pringle coming in from Kansas City had good numbers. He's a big target. He's a lanky guy. He's smooth. He's a smooth receiver, and and he's he's a guy that you're going to see move the chains. And a third down, you'll you'll see him probably come up with a big catch here or there. And then um, you know, Velas Jones, the draft pick. Everybody wants to hear about him on Twitter. Everybody's tweeting me, you know, how's Jones looking? And Jones is a hard one for me to to look at because I see a lot of talent and ability in Jones, but his hands aren't there yet. And I mean, that's something that you can, you can improve, but he is 25 years old, you know, which he's older than a few of these receivers already on the roster, but his quicks are really good. His routes good. Um, He's just, he's just not a natural hands catcher. He's bobbling a couple balls. He's, you know, he dropped a couple individual and, NFL receivers don't do that. Like you're an individual drill. You know, I'm watching individual drill and I'm just like, they're missing throws. Their guys are dropping balls. I mean, there was, it wasn't all bad. You know, everything you hear on the media and everything is all bad. But when you're an individual in one-on-one, especially individual, the balls can't be hitting the ground guys. I mean, you got to complete these balls. This is high school stuff. You know, you're, you're running routes on air. You're getting paid millions of dollars. This is your job. And when I, when I'm seeing, a, a ball bounce off a guy's hands, you know, fields missing a guy by five yards and, and it just, that's worrisome. You know, I know they'll get better, but you know, there are some things that are worrisome. Yeah. I think when you look at the, the wide receiver setup and you're talking about, you know, Jones jr. Coming in and his hands aren't good. You know, like for me, that, that, that's a major red flag considering he's a wide receiver. You know, there are a lot of drops on the field as well. Um, again, I, the, the optimist to me wants to put that down to, early days let's get you know let, let's see what it's like in real game action let's see in nine days time when they when they take the field against the chiefs see how this thing actually shakes out proper competition sort of thing but i just wanted to come back to one of the guys you were talking about in equinemius st brown um because i felt like he was one of those guys that when the bears signed them he sort of you know was like okay we'll sign them but a lot of people like i don't think he'll make the roster he's kind of flown under the radar a little bit Everyone's been talking about Jones Jr. They've been talking about Pringle. Nikhil Harry was obviously the trade that happened, so everyone's been talking about him. And it's all, it kind of seems like St. Brown's just been kind of doing his, his thing, getting out there, being sort of consistent as well. He's got that praise from, from the coach. He's got the praise from Fields, and clearly he's making some sort of impact. So, I mean, looking at him and based on your sort of experience of seeing these type of guys play in, in person – does he seem like the sort of guy that you think can make this team and can be a huge, a major contributor, considering the fact that he's played for years in that offense? Um, and then in college, obviously, you know, he was, he was, he was a great player. It's just not happened since he came to the NFL. Yeah. You know, I think that he's, um, cause he's different. Okay. You got a guy like Mooney Mooney's five ten. you know, maybe five eleven. You know, he's a quick, short guy. You know, he's not going to be a big game breaker outside. Then you got Jones, Velas Jones Jr. I mean, he's 5'11", maybe six foot, 5'11 guy. Quicker, you know, more of a slot guy as well. Okay, Pringle, six foot one. You know, you need a big guy out there at some point. And I didn't realize, I didn't realize how tall, he's lanky, but how tall, how tall would you guys say without looking at the roster or anything, Equinemia St. Brown is? 6'3". Six, six, four, something like that. Six, 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 five. He's six, five, six, six. I got out on the field and this guy's tall. I'm almost six, four. This guy's towering over me. I said, what? This, this guy's a a monster. He's, I mean, not big, but he is a tall receiver that can high point the ball. Notice him in the individual drills. He didn't get the opportunity to do that during practice, but he brings a role to the bears. He's a guy in the red zone. You want a big target? I think he can do some things and I'm, I go back and I look at his statistics because I want to see, you know, why is this guy not producing isn't a name in the NFL? Cause he runs well. He's got, you know, his hands aren't crazy good, but he's got consistent, respectable hands. And, um, I, you know, I couldn't tell you, but what I've, from what I saw and being, being around a lot of receivers and a lot of tight ends in the day, I think this guy has specific skill set 
He can go up. He can catch the ball. He's 6'5", 6'6". That's hard to find. So I think that's going to be his key to making this team. And you got guys like, you know, I was talking about Pettis, you know, more. These aren't huge, tall guys. And you need a guy like that on the team, you know, for certain situations. Yeah, and it was interesting to see that Fields brought him up in his press conference right after talking with Darnell Mooney. And it's actually not a surprise that he talks about him because in terms of their mentality, it's very similar. Every single day at camp, one of the first guys out there practicing on the jokes machine is Equinemia St. Brown. We always hear about how Justin Fields is kind of like a maniac that he tries to get there as early as possible to get. And he's one of the last ones, has competitions with Darnell Mooney to see who can stay late. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what you want. You want guys that know that they're going to bust their ass to get better and to make this team better. And it's it really isn't a surprise. It'd be great to see him do well. And obviously, with Getsy essentially bringing him over from Green Bay, you knew that he saw something in him. And maybe the quarterback in Green Bay didn't trust him as much. And maybe in a fresh start is exactly what he needed. And hopefully he's able to build on this because this season would be great if you found one or two other contributors because then it makes your job a whole lot easier for next year if you need to go get, like you said, that kind of superstar receiver, maybe if it's in the draft or, or so. So it is important that they find a couple of guys this year that you can you can rely upon and you're not having to replace a whole room again. But um, look, it, it is, we will go back to the wide receivers in the day, but we need to go to kind of your your first love, the tight ends. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about kind of, we've had a, a bunch of shows this week and everybody's brought up Cole Komet and that he's looked impressive and he looks like this could be a year to where he could be a mainstay in the offense where you were expecting it in the last couple of years. And look, he had yeah. really good receptions and yards. And when you actually compare him to other tight ends, his numbers other than the touchdowns do match up for a guy that was going into his second to third year. So what do you what are your expectations for Cole Komet this year? Would you be very positive that he is developing in the right way and especially in this type of offense where he can be a key contributor? Uh, just strictly off of this guy's measurables and his size, you talk about someone I don't know, you know, how well how big would you guys think Cole Komet is? He's got to be what, six four, six five? Yeah, I'd say I'd say the same. Yeah, six foot six, maybe more. Um, check this day, six six. I guarantee. Let me. I mean, I'll pull up the roster or whatever. They got him at six six, but I think he's bigger. Six six two sixty. This guy, I, I got to meet Cole Komet. I I was in the stands and I was uh you know uh doing my research and I was talking to some random guy. You know, we're talking about the Bears, and I mean, we're we're I'm not being you know I'm. I'm not taking it easy on these guys. I'm every player. I'm like, you know, this guy's good at this. This guy's good at this. Turns out it's Cole Komet's dad, right? So this whole time (laughs) I've been talking to Cole Komet's dad. His name's Frank. Awesome guy. And me and him spent the whole practice talking back and forth about what we're seeing in the team. You know, what we think about Cole and things he could do better things. And I am, I was very impressed with Cole Komet. This guy's a monster and he's fast. He's big. With his physical build and speed and tools, he should be one of the best tight ends in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay, looking at him in one on ones and individual, when I first got there on Tuesday, I go, "This guy, this guy's unguardable." You know, I'm like, "This is this guy's unbelievable." But as we got to team and progressed, I didn't see what I expected and wanted to see. You know, he needs to work on some things outside. And when he split out, he's having trouble getting off a of press coverage of a cornerback. You know, he's having trouble in the slot getting open. There was a couple times where he's uh, he's made he made some good plays, but he, he did get, you know, he did get deed up a few times. And I was like, man, like a guy of his caliber shouldn't be doing that. Honestly, I expect him to have a really big year, but with his with his abilities and his size, I think if he keeps working, I mean, he can be one of the best tight ends in this league. It's incredible. I've play, obviously I've seen I've played with Gronk I've played with Martellus Bennett Julius Thomas Mercedes Lewis Eric Ebron I've played with good tight ends as far as physical tools and the size the speed natural ability I mean Komet's as good as any of them and he blocks that's one thing that I like too he's yeah. he's a guy that's not afraid to block 
For me, when I see a tight end that's pretty out there catching passes, I think it does a disservice to the position. I think the tight end, the beauty of this position is you are in the run game blocking and you are in the pass game too. Both are equal, 50-50. And Komet's a guy that's going to put his face in there and he's going to block. He's going to try hard and that's all you can ask for. So yeah. sell that to say that I think Komet will have a big year this year. There's some things he can improve on, but I'm, I'm really excited about what, he's, what he can do this year. Yeah, and I think that you're right with the blocking because that's going to be such a huge part of this offense this year, you know, getting that run game going, you know, probably relying on that a bit more than um, than you, than, well, than ideal, you know, but it is what it is at the moment. But just in terms of commit then, I mean, obviously you're talking about the guy. We know he's got the, the he's got the skill set, he's got the tools, he's got all this kind of stuff. What, what, what do you think went, I'm going to say went wrong last season? I mean, was it the offense that he was in? Um, was it something else? Because obviously he's getting the receptions. He's picking up a decent amount of yardage. But when it comes to those sort of red zone catches, um, and then obviously the lack of touchdowns as well last season, that that, that was a big issue. Um, I mean, I know obviously, and you'll know better than anybody, you know, you talk about the tight end position, you know, you're learning pretty much two positions. So it takes a bit longer to get going sort of thing in the league. You know, is that a huge contributing factor here? Or do you think there's something else that contributed to the fact that he was getting down the field, he's making the receptions, but he gets that last 20 yards, and it was just like, oh, you know, it's not happening the same way. Yeah, well, you know, I think he did get a number of, um, you know, looking up, I was looking him up on PFF, I just wanted to see his red zone, if he got any targets. And he did get a number of targets, and, and he was like 0 for 14 or something in the red zone with no touchdowns, which is not good, but... He, he could have had more targets, but you think about, you know, you had Jimmy Grandpa on the team last year, and, um, you know, he took away a lot of those red zone targets because he was more of a role player. I'm not – if Jimmy, if you ever hear this, man, I'm not I'm, – I'm just messing around. Jimmy was in my draft class. I don't feel old. Jimmy's not old. I love Jimmy. But uh, Jimmy Graham was a role guy. You know, they were trying to get him the ball some and in the red zone, and here's the thing. If you're doing a two-tight end set with Jimmy Graham in the red zone – Who's going out in the pass? Yeah. You know, Jimmy Graham ain't going to block anybody. He made a career of it, made a lot of money, and um, you know he's he's a great tight end. But he, Jimmy, did not block. Okay, I think Jimmy would say Jimmy did not block. So Cole would have to be in in a pass pro or something like that. So I think this year it'll be more predicated to him getting open. And they love this tight end group. And then you had Jesper, Jesper Horstead, you know, one of Justin's boys, you know, sneaking a touchdown here here and there that could have been Cole's, but. I think James O'Shaughnessy and Ryan Griffin, okay, these are veteran guys. And I know I think I've talked about these guys before, but I like the, these two these two players. Griffin, 10-year vet. O'Shaughnessy, 8-year vet. These guys can play too. I'm in practice. O'Shaughnessy, um, both of them. Honestly, both. Griffin the first day, I think he had like three or four touchdowns. O'Shaughnessy had a couple touchdowns. More catches and touchdowns than, um, than Komet had. Both these two play, guys can play. You look at their numbers. You say, oh, they only had 200, 300 yards here and there. It's not easy to get numbers on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trust me, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, O'Shaughnessy's over here in Jacksonville, the worst offense in the league. So these guys can play, and I'm looking forward to seeing multi-tight end sets. They haven't put it in yet. That's more of a game plan thing. But I think come Sundays, you're going to be able to do a lot with these guys because they're smart. O'Shaughnessy, smart. Obviously, Komet's a smart guy. Griffin, smart guy, been around the league. You're going to be able to put these guys in different situations. You can split them out. You can put them tight. You know, and that's going to mess with defenses. You know, hopefully Fields can can use the motions this year. He's got another year in the league to really read defenses and, and you know throw defenses off. And you can do that with the number of tight ends that can play. And what I really like about that is if you actually go back to the final year for Ohio State with Justin, he did rely a lot on his tight ends there to kind of bail him out and it seemed like last year the confidence wasn't always there when it came to some of when you need kind of somebody to bail you out a little bit you need one of those big guys to do that look hopefully we get to see that i'm i'm excited to see what o'shaughnessy and what griffin can do and like it seems like over the last couple years especially with the bears that the kind of number two number three tight ends have become like the old adage of the favorite players like the backup quarterback, right? Like it yeah. seems like Jesper Horstead had a completely like crazy fan base where when we <laughs> yeah. tweeted out that he was gone, 
you should have seen the mentions clay it was like kill somebody everybody was going crazy yeah. over that and look i hope that we do get that and where you have each of the tight ends where they they get their targets they get their yards and they can especially help in the red zone but i want to circle back to one thing you said about coke is for him or even if it was any other wide receiver that let's say they struggled a little bit with press coverage as a tight end yourself what would you say is the best way for a receiver or tight end to try and improve on that? Because is it purely kind of getting stronger, finding different ways in your technique to beat it? Or how did you find a way that was most beneficial for you? Well, I mean, it gets a little bit easier once you're game planning because you'll be able to see who you're going against and who's going to be matching up with you. But in training camp, you already should know that. So you should know these guys. But what I saw is like he's trying, he was trying to use moves and quickness and you, you got a cornerback or, or, or a covered safety on you you're six foot 11 375 pounds bro like use your strength in the within the first couple of years you got a cornerback on you if he's trying to press you grab him throw him off they're not going to call that they're not going to call that within the first couple of yards never use your strength and then you get the linebacker on you that's when you start doing all this cute stuff that they can't do because you're an athlete. Because obviously tight ends are the best athletes on the field, you know. Um, 100%. So, obviously. Yeah. Right after the long snappers. Yeah, exa- exactly. <laughs> so you know who's on you. If you get the tight end, if you get the linebacker, you know, use your quickness, use your speed. If you got the cornerback, use your strength. Run right through them sometimes if you have to. If those guys are 180 pounds, you're 260. I mean, just physics, it's, it's not going to work for him. And that's what – watching Gronk, one of the reasons I was in Jacksonville, I, you know, I decided to sign him in New England. Had a good contract offer. In hindsight, I should have stayed in Jacksonville. Go to New England, they have a tough roster. Martellus Bennett, Rob Gronkowski, you know, Michael Thomas, a different Michael – Michael Williams, I'm sorry, a, a tight end. A.J. Derby, a guy they just drafted. James Devlin at fullback and all these guys, my agent's like, yo, like, are you sure you want to do this? I'm like, yeah. He's like, all right, you know, we'll go to New England then. I'm like, you know, make, make the deal, you know, don't make the deal. So I go to New England. One of the reasons was I wanted to play with Tom Brady. I wanted to play under Bill Belichick. I wanted to see why was Rob Gronkowski, in my opinion, he's one of the greatest tight ends ever played the game, if not the greatest, because he could do both things. He was great at releases and just using his body looking at him i thought it would be something so evident you know okay why is this guy so looks like a bunch of tight ends i've played with martellus bennett was more physically impressive with tools but this guy was just really good at his releases he knew what to do with certain players he knew he was going to beat with speed he knew who he's going to beat with strength and he knew who he could just beat with his body size the guy wasn't running any crazy routes I mean, he had obviously great hands, but there's nothing there that a guy like Cole Komet couldn't do if he just used that same, had that same mindset, knew what to do, like Rob, Rob did, and knew when to do it against who. Yeah, I, th- I think there's definitely, you know, you're saying yourself, there's something in that. You know, and I think possibly the way that those guys were coached last year uh, or, or weren't coached, as, as a lot of people claim, um could have been a contributing factor to them not knowing you know how to use their bodies not knowing you know particular techniques that they can use when you know they're at this higher level than than they had been at at college sort of thing so you know i'm hoping that's going to be a huge huge factor this year with uh with commit and the rest of the tight ends but one thing i wanted to to bring up in regards to the tight ends was obviously through the uh off season there was a lot of talk about the Bears aren't bringing in enough wide receivers, you know, big name wide receivers, guys that are going to get a thousand yards or eight hundred yards or whatever uh, at the wide receiver position. Do you think people are underestimating the contribution that we're going to get from the tight end room? Because obviously we've talked about Kmet, the potential, what he could do. He's already shown last season what he can do, and it's about just kind of, you know, putting it together and taking it a step further. But you know, we've seen Ryan Griffin in practice this week looking great you know catching bombs down the field uh shaughnessy the same are these guys going to be guys that you look to go you know we don't have to just rely on mooney here we don't have to just rely on you know whoever else is coming out of the wide receiver room we've got tight ends that can do a job as well 
Absolutely. I think people are definitely underestimating those guys. You can put those guys, you'll have probably, I'll, I'll say over, you'll probably have 45 plus catches throughout those two guys in the season, maybe 50, you know, 25 apiece. These guys are going to, you know, these backup tight ends. And then I think Komet's going to play very well. So, I mean, these guys and these tight ends, if you use them correctly, and I think Getsy's a guy that knows, you know, listen, we got we got a great tight end group. We're going to get them on the field that they can help out. And then you got Mooney and that's, you know, in addition to that. And then obviously David Montgomery, who I think, you know, is one of the most important players on the Bears team. And set it up with with, with Montgomery. You, you smash, smash mouth football, play action, go to the tight ends, then you hit Mooney. I think it's it all could come together, and I know that people are hearing everything coming out about the wide receiver and fields, but I you know I still think it's it's early, and it can come together. And these guys, the receivers and tight ends, both have more talent than, than people would think. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is, a, it is a really important situation that the Bears are able to get production from different areas here. We always talk, I know a lot of people want to focus on wide receiver. We've said having different skill sets is important, but it's the same thing for tight ends as well. And all of these are going to be big factors within the offense. But look, one of the key things that people have always been talking about, especially this offseason, has been the offensive line, which again shows the importance of where you may see more tight ends in there if if they see that this offensive line could struggle because you're going to need that help. Now, there's been a, a couple of different stories. Obviously, with Lucas Patrick being injured, it's not ideal, especially for the first padded practice that happened. And you finally get to see the running game a little bit. But when you have to kind of mix and match your kind of offensive line where guys aren't always with the same person, it can be quite difficult. Um, the first question I wanted on that is, what was your opinion overall? And obviously, with a guy like Braxton Jones, who's right now kind of penciled in as a potential left tackle to start for, for week one. What was your opinion of him just as kind of how he's doing as kind of a rookie to come in? Cause that's, t- that's difficult to be a fifth round pick and to start at left tackle for a team where especially a day before camp happens, two veterans are signed that Riley Reese and Michael Schofield What's kind of your overall opinion of, of that situation so far? You know, I think Braxton Jones has looked good. Uh, the You know, the Southern Utah product, fifth round pick from the Bears. And, you know, Jenkins, there's been so many stories out there. And, you know, from what I've heard, he just he's doesn't like the coaches. You know, he's got a he, he just doesn't get along with his offensive line coach and they're they're butting heads there. Um but I, I like Riley Reef too. I play with him in Detroit. I think Reef is a good is a good addition. Um, Schofield as well, and Braxton Jones. I if if this if Jenkins doesn't want to play and doesn't doesn't want to be a part of this group, I think there's nothing you can do. Try to get as much as you can for him. And I think Poles has an idea. I think the veterans he brought in can play Reef. I played with him in, in Detroit. You know, as a tight end, we have a we have to have a good relationship because we're doing a lot of combination blocks with these tackles. We're doing chips for these guys and and one thing i do like about reef is if there's a rookie inside interior lineman there a young guy he talks he's a good talker on the line and that's something as a tight end that we love there was guys that i'm like dude are you mute like yo you know we're, we're calling out our checks we're calling out you know some guys won't talk reef will talk and he'll let you know in the middle of the play so i think there's some good things or i know it's a tough situation with jenkins but i think some good things are gonna come out of it I think Braxton Jones will be one of them, getting him some more time in camp and really getting to see what he can do. He's only 23 from Southern Utah, big guy, 6'5", 320. But uh, I think with the new guys they brought in and with him, they'll be able to weather the storm. Yeah. I I just wanted to say, first off, Braxton Jones, I'm a big fan. I I really would like to see that that work out. If you get your left tackle, you know, the, that you'll be there for years kind of thing that you don't need to worry about it but just quickly just circling back on to tevin jenkins not necessarily talking about that specific situation but how does that kind of that feeling in the locker room how, how does it spread through the locker room if you've got a guy who's button heads with coaches does that affect other players negatively does it does it look bad for the player? Does it look bad for the coach? I mean, what 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 kind of how how the players react to that in, in the dressing room? 
And does it, and also does it happen more often than, than we think it would it would happen? I mean, there's definitely players and coaches that don't get along, and you don't hear about it a lot of times. I know in Philly that it happened a few times. You know, there was interactions between player coach here, and then a guy even got sent home here or there from practice, and you know, nobody caught wind of it. But <clears throat> I think it doesn't look bad on one person in particular. Each, I think each, you know, each time it does happen, I mean, it, each thing is different, right? So sometimes I think the coach is in the wrong and sometimes the player's in the wrong. From everything I'm hearing from people closer to the situation, I think that Jenkins is kind of a, you know, a hothead and, and, you know, the coach is a little bit more old school and they just don't get along. And if a guy back, you know, back in, in my day, I know I'm the old guy, back in my day, you know, we walked 10 miles to school. No, back in the day, like you had to deal with that. You didn't like your coach, too bad, you know, deal with it. And you're going to show up, you're going to work hard and you're just going to, you know, just try to show respect and get respect and leave it at that. But, you know, if, if, if the guy's acting like that, you don't want him on your team, you'll be a cancer and you'll start turning other players into you know, guys like he like he is, and I think it's best if they do just go their separate ways. Yeah, absolutely. I think the writing seems to be on the wall at this point. You've had enough people talking about it that when there is that kind of disconnect between your position coach and, and yourself and it's very, very early into a new regime, you kind of know what way is going to happen, especially when there's no real links with the GM or the coach to said player because they were picked by a former GM. Um, but look, we're getting closer to kind of preseason action over, I think, net, at the end of next week, the Bears play in the 13th against the Kansas City Chiefs. Is there anybody that you're going to be looking out for when it hits kind of these preseason games that you think there's a potential that they may make the 53 that maybe before kind of you weren't thinking too much about? Well, I mean, as you know, obviously as a uh, offensive guy you know i'm gonna go there with wide receivers tight end group running back group but i like uh i like this tight end rice and john he's talking about a massive dude um runs well he's a former wide receiver catches the ball well runs well good routes and i know he's got a tough tight end group to, to make but i mean maybe he could be a fourth guy for roles near the red zone or maybe he could um just be a practice squad guy but i i think that he's a player that should at least make the practice squad this year and, and get some work on the, on the blocking aspect of things because he's got some talent. And then um, wide receiver wise, I want to see, I want to see Jones, you know, in, in a game situation to see how he responds to that. Cause I couldn't really get the best read in practice. You know, he would have a great play. Then you'd have a low average play. He'd make a great catch and then he would drop an easy ball. So I want to see him in the game to see if he can be more consistent. And then I want to watch, Dante Pettis, David Moore, you know, th those guys, I think Coulter, some of these receivers lower on the depth chart. I want to see how Equinemia St. Brown does in, in the preseason. So I'm going to be focused a lot on the, the wide receiver group. And after Mooney and Pringle, I want to see who else is going to step up and move in there. You know, somebody's, something's got to happen. Then I'm keeping an eye on the offensive line. How are these guys gelling? How are these old, how are these rookies going to, going to perform, you know, and, and just see there, like, which group of guys are going to be our five starting offensive linemen, because that still remains to be seen. Yeah, absolutely. And and also, uh, Clay, if the Bears were to go into, you know, a month or so from now, when the season starts, they've got this wide receiver room, the offensive line room is staying as it is, wh where's your sort of level of confidence in both of those areas do you, do you feel that they can it can be serviceable? We can keep Justin Fields protected. We can give Justin Fields options to throw it. Do you feel, if if nothing else presented itself, that it, we would be okay, or do you have concerns there? You know, I, honestly, I think with them, with the Bears bringing in uh, Riley Reef and Schofield, I think I mean Schofield's played in this league for nine, ten years. Reef's eleven, twelve years. These are veteran guys that know how to play the game. They're not going to get beat on a regular basis. They're going to be solid offensive linemen. Not going to do anything flashy, but these guys are veteran guys that have pride and know how to play the game. 
They've proven it year after year. I've played with Reef. Reef is gonna is gonna do a solid job for you. He's not gonna do nothing crazy, but he's gonna get it done. Schofield, he has a good reputation around the league. He's one of the he's one of the best. Actually, he was as far as run blocking, he was he was one of the best in the league at, at guard last year. I remember I um I was looking him up on PFF and trying to get a good read for him. He's like top ten guard and run blocking. I think that's great for Montgomery. You know, you get a run blocker in there, and then we got to see. You know, when Lucas Patrick comes back, you know, Kobe Whitehair. You know, what are we going to do with uh, Braxton Jones? So I think it's gonna, it's really exciting. I have a lot. I have high hopes for this group. You know, once we get everybody healthy, get Lu- Lucas Patrick back out there. And I think it was um, – I think the Schofield and Reef signings really did help. And I know they're veterans. You want a young team, but you got to have veterans on, on a roster like this. So I think I'm, I'm more optimistic than a lot of people are. Yeah, which is, which is good. We need a little bit of – optimism in the world because it seems like everything is so pessimistic but look clay we are delighted that you're able to join us today we really really appreciate your time um look i know there'll be people looking out for your tweets because people keep are now saying that you should be like the the little bears insider because of all the stuff that you were tweeting out over the last couple days we really enjoy it look we really really appreciate your time and we'll definitely be having you on again i hope you're i hope you enjoyed the show I appreciate it, guys. It was a lot of fun. And um, after I go back to Philly, I'm going to come back to Chicago for a few days, and um, I'm going to get I'm going to get in here for the end of camp, and I'm going to be uh, I'll be tweeting again, and we'll, we'll have to get back on and talk a little bit more about the improvements and, and what we see now at this point in camp. Yeah, absolutely. We'll definitely have you back on, Clay, for that. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Cheers, All right. Clay. Thank you so much, Clay. Later. All right, that was good. Um, so. It's been a busy week. We really, really appreciate Clay's time. We appreciate we had Alo Gandia with us yesterday. We had um, was it Alex Shapiro on Tuesday, and we've done a couple of other shows this week. So guys, losing track of all these great guests that we've got. There's so many folk folk coming on with some great insight into what's happening in camp. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. We've we've a lot of things coming up about camp. Um. We have, what is it, next week on Tuesday, we will be joined by Peggy Kaczynski. Um, so for those of you that might want to know a little bit about Tevin Jenkins, you might be able to get a little nugget or two from Tuesday show and Peggy will be joining us. Uh, on Wednesday, I believe it's Will DeWitt from the CHGO podcast will be joining us as yeah. well. Um, and there's still more to come. So guys, make sure that you do like the video. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss any of the videos as well because, again, with training camp being so much happening, there will be a lot of videos, so make sure you do not miss out. It's a good way to kind of recap everything that's gone on because I know it can be tough when you are offline for that one or two hours when everybody's tweeting and then suddenly you come back and you miss everything. Just make sure that you come to the Irish Bear Show because we'll be talking about it all. So, look, it's it's just great look before we leave we're now what 10 days or so away from our first preseason game how have you how have you felt about so far all the stories we heard from camp tony i mean it's been it's probably been more uh there's, there's been more come out than i thought would come out you know there were stories that were happening that i didn't think were going to happen you know we were talking about tevin jenkins i thought the, the story would be where's tevin jenkins going to play because he's obviously going to be starting on the offensive line. But the story is, Tevin Jenkins is going to get traded at some point over the next week or so, probably. You know, um, I, I think that that type of thing will happen sooner rather than later. And it's interesting what Clay was saying about, you know, that becoming a, a sort of cancer in the, the locker room and, you know, wanting to cut it out before it becomes an issue and all that kind of stuff. So if it really is as bad as, as it's been made out, then you know it makes sense to just get that over and done with. But yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to be honest with you with, with training camp. I do like training camp, but after a while, I'm just like, okay, I've seen enough and heard enough of the offense versus the defense. I just want to see us go out there and hit somebody else, hit someone else's team. So I want to. I'm looking forward to getting to the Chiefs game next Saturday, um, and 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 seeing us compete against another team, and you know, not knowing what to expect from them, all that kind of stuff, like. I'm just I just want to see the rookies out there. I want to see how Justin Fields looks in a real game situation. It'd be great 
if, if the thing is, if we weren't Bears fans, if we were a fan of anywhere else in the league, we'd have live practices to watch, like the for, the full day, and we'd know more. This is the problem where we don't know everything. We're going off of the second-hand takes and third-hand takes. So, yeah, we need to we need to see some something, you know, that something I can actually evaluate myself and go, yes, I like that. No, I don't like that. Um, and do you know what? Just to get football back, and there's football on tonight. There's football on tonight. I mean, I don't I believe it. It's crazy. It's not real football. But... I know that's that's what I said earlier. <laughs> I was like, one of our good friends, Ryan Dengel, was uh, mentioning that of if he was going to watch it, and I was like, in terms of the quality, it's probably very similar to what we saw in the XFL because there's no starters that are going to be playing tonight. But still, football is football. The names are still going to be the Raiders and who are they playing Jacksonville. So like it's still yeah it's kind of football like it's it's good fun to it's just like a signal that it's kind of it's kind of back which it's I I do I do enjoy um but yeah no it's it's definitely good I do want to mention one little thing I saw a funny tweet that I've uh, that I responded to and it was it was a funny one from one of the dudes from PFF uh he was talking about can you name ten Bears players. And some of the some of the responses are very very funny. In general, <laughs> that's what I think. That's what most people's response was. Um, was can you name ten this year, or is it in general? And some of the some of the tweets are very very funny. So yeah, it's uh, it's good. He, he, I think the the response I initially when I was like, I can probably name ten players from every team for the past ten years. So, <laughs> but yeah, look, it, it's all in jest, but it's a uh, yeah, some of those things I find it's funny. It's just the the same old kind of story of people trying to it's like trying to kick a wounded team or a wounded person as they're down and it, I don't think it's gonna stop for a very long time. We're sort of going round in circles as well though, because I was get you know, we were doing the rant shows, I was getting pissed off at listening to people yeah. being negative about the bears. But now you're going to see I'm getting pissed off at hearing about people getting pissed off about being negative about the bears, and I'm just like, let's just stop talking. I don't want to talk anymore. Let's just go. That, that's why I'm like, I, I just want the games to start because I'm like, the amount of this that just constantly goes on. And look, I don't blame certain Bears fans that kind of go at it because you know what it's like. People want to hear some sort of positivity from their team or at least some objectivity. Um, and it it's an easy way to put it to say that uh, your team's going to suck again and all this sort of stuff because look, it it happens quite a lot, but it's the same for a lot of teams in the NFL. There's a reason why at the end of the day, when we look back on the teams that have won the Super Bowl in recent years, there's a common trait there. It's usually teams that are able to make it almost on a yearly basis to at least the championship game. And like you're seeing even teams that have phenomenal rosters like Buffalo and not be able to figure that out. And it's a long way back for, for this team. I don't know you're hoping that this is the first step um, of the development, but even if Iberflus is the right guy, and even if you think that Justin is the right guy, that like we've seen doesn't guarantee you success in this league because it can end very, very quickly. We've seen it. Other teams have seen it. Like at the end of the day, we slag them all we want up in Green Bay. They've had phenomenal quarterback play, and yet they've only made a Super Bowl in the last 40 years. What, three times I think it's been? And three or four times, and when you look at the two quarterbacks that they had in Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, you would have thought it would have been way more. And it's not everybody can do a New England Patriots and Tom Brady, where you can go pretty much every year and nearly win every year. So it's it. That's why I say when people want to criticize particular teams, at the end of the day, unless you're a fan of the team that actually won the Super Bowl. You, I find it's difficult for people to criticize as well because you still didn't win either. And at the end of the day, you're both eating hot dogs and chicken wings during the Super Bowl. <laughs> and it's that's the, the way it is. The perfect, you know, this is it. Everyone needs, everyone wants the perfect storm. And that is it. It is so difficult. I mean, you've got to have the right combination of coaching and players and a little bit of luck sprinkled in there as well. There's, you know, to, to, to become a, a Super Bowl champion is not easy. We see, we see how you see how many teams fail, you know, for for years at a time, kind of thing. And you know, when guys like you know the Patriots and Brady can do it six, you know, six times. I mean, that's just crazy, you know, like when you think about it. But yeah, I mean, 
the, the way I keep looking at it, you know, and you've got to, you know, we talk about being fans, we talk about being fanatics, and that's what we are. You know, we've got to, we've got to think of this like, you know, it's only, you know, it's the 4th of August. I can't sit there and get down on the team because I'm going to get down on the team in about six or seven weeks' time when we're watching the game properly. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I, you can't you can't be you can't be that depressed all the time. You know, I I see this as the start of of something potentially. You know, we've got a potential quarterback, and once you've got that potential quarterback piece, everything stems from there. You know, and until that gets proven that he's not the, that guy, then you've got to have that optimism. Everything's building just now, and we're heading in the right direction. Hopefully, but yeah i I hope so but look guys we will be back next tuesday obviously if something crazy happens like if tevin jenkins actually gets traded well between now and tuesday we'll we'll hop on and we'll talk about it if something big happens to you but until then we'll probably be waiting until next tuesday before we talk a little bit more about camp and give ourselves a little bit of a break here and give yourselves a break from us as well uh, because we've been full go the last couple of days um but yeah it's gonna be interesting to see some of the storylines come out i'm just at the point of where i want to see some game action i want to see there's only so much you can hear from in camp i want to see what these guys are are doing in that kind of first game against the kansas city chiefs it's a good little tester especially for the defense you'll probably get i don't know two series against patrick mahomes um to see how are they looking but again preseason ends up being looking for those fringe players, looking for those depth pieces. Have the Bears done much in that department? Last preseason, it was very obvious that that was a big problem for this team. The depth was a, a huge issue. I think on certain positions, it's not much of an issue this year, but there's some other ones where they're kind of key positions where you'd be worried if there's a couple of injuries. So that's what preseason is for, to analyze that and then once we get finished with that, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens and waiver wires and things like that. So there's still loads of stuff to talk about prior to the season beginning. Um, so guys, like I said, check out those different episodes of the podcast. Um, we've had a, a bunch of videos this week, so make sure you go back, check them out. If you want to hear about Tevin Jenkins, we did a full show on that. So make sure you go back and check that out. And until next time, bear down. Bear down.